Whale vomit, motherfuckers. I'm Sam Chris in London, and I'm joined as ever by my co-host... Amberly Frost in Brooklyn. And welcome to the show. I just woke up. Yet again, we're dealing with our strange time difference, and um, one of us is always either exhausted or drunk because of the nature of the, of, of the time zones. It's a podcast where you can really feel the ocean between us. Mm-hmm. Which I think people like. Yeah, no, no. I think there's far too much kind of false chumminess in, mm-hmm. uh, in the wild and varied world of podcasting today. Yeah. Uh, and what people really want as they kind of sit alone on their commute is a podcasting experience that reproduces the deep and existential loneliness that they experience. Yeah, there's too much intimacy in the podcast world right now. We're coming at it from a different angle. <laughs> um, so speaking of loneliness and hatred, uh, as we record, the British election is one week away. Oh. Are you excited, Amber? Oh, I'm so excited. You got your bunting? <laughs> it's actually, I'm trying not to actually get excited, but, you know, it, there's encouraging evidence that things might not be absolutely terrible, but, uh, like, there's just no way anything good can happen politically, even orthogonally to me. So, um,. You know, I'm sorry. You're you're cursed by association with me. Uh, a lot of people I know, right at the very start of the election, just kind of decided. You know what? I think that Jeremy Corbyn is going to win this, and I'm going to keep on believing that until the day after the election and possibly beyond. Uh, and this was back when they were 20 points behind in the polls, and it looked absolutely impossible. Um, and it's kind of like some of that just pure force of will has magically manifested itself in the world because he's doing incredibly well you know he's a um he's at levels that labor labor hasn't been polling since 2014 there are suggestions that well by one poll at least that there could be a hung parliament which would mean the tories would lose an overall majority um which means you would hang the parliament which would be good oh if only no no (laughs) we uh we don't do that anymore we just uh shoot them at the end of the parliamentary term um but yeah it it kind of feels like you know this world which is obviously the domain of satan and his devils is kind of torturing us with just the faintest possibility that everything might go well from now on uh and that on election night they're just going to snatch it away as theresa may goose steps down all of our streets (laughs) well um, yeah, I mean, I, I believe in maintaining the delusion um, knowingly. It's just it's just harder for me now. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm a neurotic, not a psychotic. I know that all the things I believe are yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the point is, you you buckle down as hard as you can um, because what else is there to do? Um, and uh, you just try and not end up like Hillary fans who think she's still going to, you know, pull it out at the last minute. Yeah. There before the grace of God. Well, yeah, you don't want to be one of those people who, you know, two months after the election is going, no, actually, my guy could still win if we just get a neighboring country to invade, depose the government and then install them as leader. It's a surefire constitutional route to victory. Yeah. But um, Corbyn... 
Cor- Corbyn's been doing very well lately. Well, we had uh, a debate last night. We had, uh, without Theresa May, uh, the Prime Minister, who refused to show up because she was uh, too busy talking to people. Um, although, <laughs> I don't know if you heard this, what she actually did was she went to a cheese festival, ate a lot of cheese, and then went home. That rules. Yeah, I mean, she was living her best life. Slay queen. Yeah. But, yeah, she got um, Home Secretary... Amber Rudd to fill in for her because the office of the Prime Minister is now uh, expanded fiefdom of the Home Department which is basically the government department in charge of racism deporting migrants uh, swastikas and Hitler and uh, Amber Rudd is recently bereaved having lost her father a few days before the debate so I think it would be um, a bit unpleasant even for me to dwell too long on exactly how badly she fucked up in the debate but it's a kind of microcosm of the of the general conservative attitude towards work and responsibility that if a close family member has just died you're expected to uh shut up about it and get back to work because we all have a job to do stiff upper lip and all that i don't know i mean maybe i'm just getting it entirely from like monty python caricatures of sort of the english character but it reminded me of a, a scene in Meaning of Life when they're having like a, um, you know, a school uh, slash community church service and um, the vicar, made by I think John Cleese, was saying, giving some sort of really arbitrary instructions about the school cormorant. Uh, and, then, and then he ends with, oh, and by the way, Perkins, your mother has died. And <laughs> and then gets on with the sermon. You know, for hundreds of years, we've made a virtue of um, total lack of fellow feeling for any other human being. You know, it's why it's why British people don't kind of you know we don't trust you know French romanticism. We find Camus to be um, to be overly pretentious because you know the stranger is about a guy whose mother dies and he doesn't care and it's treated as some kind of scandal whereas here when your family member dies of course you don't care you've well if you're in the british ruling classes you've been uh, snatched away from from your parents at the age of five and sent to a monstrous and brutal boarding school where you're sodomized into a good servant of the empire uh, <laughs> and then before that you were probably mostly raised by indentured servants and, and, and that's how you create a society in which life is valueless and the world exists only to be conquered. I mean, you know... It, yeah, how can you possibly grieve for someone whose face you can't even recognise <laughs> at this point? In Britain, everyone's dead. or We're all dead already. There's no need to mourn. <laughs> well, um, that's horrifying. And I kind of wonder, do people respond to that with a bit of shock? With their, like... Do, were they impressed by the idea that that she went up a, a few days after after the, the death of her father, um, or or were they like Jesus Christ? <laughs> you know, the Tories are brutal. Um, well, I mean, there's every indication that she, you know, she refused to uh, to step down from the from the from the debate uh, and pass it off onto someone else which is, um, depending on how you read it, really admirable or really terrifying. Um, the main, the main uh, response I've, I've seen, and, and keep in mind everyone I know is uh, 
living in London and works in the media, so this is not representative. But um, this kind of weird, semi-gleeful sympathy for exactly how badly she did. Um, Ooh. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, she didn't do well. well. What? I mean, for, like, for a start, her her face is a, this kind of hypno- hypnotic rectangle. Um, and... Um, <laughs> You know, Again, she, I'm looking her up. <laughs> she's uh, Amber Rudd with a double D. She's descended from, uh, I think, five interbreeding noble families, like the entire co- uh, Tory cabinet, who I think are all her cousins. All right. Well, I'm looking at Amber Rudd right now, and she has a tragically Amber face. <laughs> yeah, do you have a kind of uh, filial Amber sympathy? As an Amber, I can just say that it's not a name that imparts beauty. I, I really think it should be made illegal. There's a few. There's Amber Rose. Um, I mean, but generally, if you name someone Amber, you're gonna you're gonna get an Amber. <laughs> Did they expect her to do well? I mean, not just under those conditions, but I, you know, I don't know this person. But um, I mean, why why didn't Theresa May do it? Theresa May didn't do it because uh, she's a coward and she's afraid. Uh, is basically the main reason um um the tories have basically run the entire campaign on theresa may's personal qualities as prime minister you know her competence and her strength and her stability and all the other nauseating buzzwords have been just indiscriminately flung at the public um but the only problem with that is that it's this kind of quite extravagant myth that's been built up around theresa may and she doesn't really live up to it in any way she's basically um She's an ideological zealot who most of the time doesn't have a clue what she's doing. Uh, I mean, I, I keep on returning to this, but there was a time uh, a couple of years back when she was Home Secretary when she deported, I think, 45,000 uh, foreign students illegally uh, because they took an English test and the paperwork got mixed up. Um, and she's also kind of terrifyingly uncharismatic. She's a terrifying person to look at. And while she can give a decent speech if you know you like fascism um she doesn't really hold up well in conversation with other human beings she doesn't really seem to admit the existence of other consciousnesses so in a debate she would absolutely have been destroyed but uh the other factor is that this whole election was essentially called as this kind of vanity project to cement a Tory majority just because she thought that she could um and because of that she's kind of doesn't want to make it a big deal. She kind of wants a a very low turnout because Tories will always turn out, whereas Labour voters are much less likely to. I I, I guess by not appearing in debate, she can make it appear as if, you know, this isn't a real election. You don't need to come. Stay home and then just watch me win. Mm, That's an interesting tactic. But, but But if Amber Rudd got her ass handed to her, that can't be good, right? No, I mean, like, it's... Like it's probably gonna accelerate the the Tory decline, but it if I'm honest, it probably like given there's only one week left in in the election, and that the debate in general was incredibly dull uh, and very stupid, and mostly just seven people talking over each other because we invited basically every party to the debate, including the ones who aren't gonna get any seats in Parliament, mm-hmm. and like like debating in general is a is a waste of time you know i i used to do debating at school because i was that kid um, 
That's where all the alt-right people like you. <laughs> oh, they hate me now. They've decided they hate me. Uh, well, anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I used to do debating in school. It's essentially what the kids who were too puny to do sports did. Um, you know, it, it's it's very good for showing your ability to, to trot out a good line or, or you know rhetorically get one over an opponent but uh as a means of determining who's the best person to run a country you literally may as well have sent out all of the seven candidates into a a polo match and then decided that the one who won the polo match was most suited to be prime minister uh my friend matt thinks that we should just uh elect president by lottery every three months and i i don't see how it could be worse well, I mean, like sortition was how the uh, the ancient Greeks uh, in in Hellenic democracy how they elected all of their posts. Um, they thought that direct election of a person was inherently undemocratic because the people with more charisma or power or influence would kind of marshal that to to win them a, a powerful post, and they were absolutely right. My favourite fact about ancient Greek democracy is that if you ever actually cast a vote for an individual person, you are voting for them to be exiled from the city and have all of their possessions confiscated. Yeah, not bad. But uh, yeah, I mean, as I've said before, I'm not overly enamoured of democracy in general. So that's my my tiny spike of tanky leanings. Oh yeah, no, no. Uh, the Soviet system was absolutely superior. Yep, it was. <laughs> Uh, there was no Soviet Theresa May. <laughs> um, or, or, well, I guess uh, Gorbachev was kind of the Soviet Clinton, except he actually won. <laughs> okay, but speaking of which, our girl is out making the rounds doing PR. <laughs> yeah. Hillary's back, baby. Uh, she never left. She simply uh, went on sabbatical. Walking out onto the stage to... Massive applause and then falling immediately <laughs> off it. Vomiting on the crowd, dropping into convulsions, <laughs> you know, spreading her disease across the entire auditorium. Well, I, I mean, why, why do you think anyone still supports her? It's because they went to one of her rallies and she coughed in their direction. Oh, yeah. No, it's like a, a John Carpenter movie where it's actually like support for her is, is an infection that's that's highly contagious and some people are immune but she controls the, she controls the disease from her own brain you know the disease uh, uh lives in cats and apparently affects like 95 percent of all cat owners uh and turns them into gurning idiots um theresa may is just like the kind of the biggest most powerful cat <laughs> on the planet that's an insult to cats she's riddled with germs don't speak poorly of cats I'm sorry, but if your cats had political opinions, they would be Democrats. Oh, I just want to laze around all day and live off handouts. Uh, no, my cats would be a little fascist. Yeah, Clinton was speaking at a... I don't know what it is. It's a some kind of tech festival called Recode, which is basically the perfect place for her because someone needs to get into a mainframe and recode her, eh? Hey, you got it. Got him, got him. 
Um, Headshot. Yeah, uh, in which she kind of revealed the uh, the latest chapter in the in the Russian conspiracy, kind of in the manner of like a, a cult leader waking up in the morning and saying, "I have a new revelation from God," uh, and this time is that. Um, the Russians couldn't possibly have hacked the US election alone because nobody could possibly understand the American political system. Uh, so they had to have had inside help from someone within the United States, and that was probably Trump. God, I hate her. Again, I, I, as I've said before, it's shocking to me that people are still hanging on to this because, one, what they're accusing... I mean, they're, they're talking about the Podesta emails. They're talking about an email leak. They don't believe that people hacked into, you know, the the, the voting machines and, and changed people's uh, votes. They believe that someone leaked information as a part of a conspiracy to help Trump win. Which one, that's such a negligible kind of, it's, it's not even rat fucking. It, it, it's such a negligible move. And two, I, 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 leaks are good. I'm glad they got leaked. I, I don't care who did it. It's good. I think if you're running for president, we should be able to read your mail. Uh, we should be able to um, look at your towels. Uh, we should be able to... Uh, we should be able to see your nudes. Yeah, we should be able to see your nudes. We should be able to look through your uh, medicine cabinet. We should be able to figure out which uh, which cleaning products you use. Yeah, I mean, I, I legitimately don't care. And the only thing the Podesta emails did was reveal how, like, silly and out of touch they were, which we already knew. They were just funny. I mean, it, it also created Pizzagate, which is fantastic and absolutely <laughs> worth it. Yeah, um, but uh, unfortunately, Pizzagate was uh, uh, not a major factor in the election. Um, the next one. Though. Yeah, the next one. The, the next one will be the, the Taco Bowl versus pizza election. <laughs> And also the last. Yeah, I mean, there's not going to be another election. <laughs> yeah, it's done now. But, um, well, yeah, I mean, like, like, the Russia thing is bizarrely still going. There was a wobble a couple of weeks ago where I was kind of thinking, oh, this is kind of picking up pace. Maybe there is something in it. But no, it's, it's basically that Trump and all of the Republicans just kind of lie constantly for no particularly good reason. Yeah, they're liars. Uh, so they lied about Russia, but they lie about everything else. It doesn't matter. It's not that there's anything they're trying to conceal. If, you know, if I can do a Baudrillard for a bit, what they're trying to conceal by the lying is that they have no substance whatsoever. There's nothing there. On that level, I guess they're perfectly happy for there to be conspiracy theories about them because it implies that there's some kind of underlying logic behind behind the Trump administration, even if it's an external and one. And that they have a plan, which they do not. Like, like Trump probably would seize on... Putin's plan for world domination if there was one um, just so that he knew just so that he could have someone else tell him what to do I mean I think it's uh, more that uh, he wants to be in um, like a buddy cop movie <laughs> I mean I don't think he's really like I think he craves authority because he's a scared little man but also he's resistant to anyone who appears to be telling him what to do he wants to be kind of um he wants to, like, win the respect of, uh, of an older man. Yeah. He wants to be gently manipulated uh, in a way that makes him feel like he made the decision. Which Putin, I feel like, would be good at. I mean, I, I think um, having Putin in his life would actually stabilize Trump. It'll give him 
a good father figure, it might actually be a, a, a healthier option for him and the world. Yeah, no, I think there's some, I, I don't know. I, I, I think in terms of uh, dignity um, of the, um, of the, uh, the station, um, I, I think he fits in very well. But comparing him to, say, like, uh, you know, world leaders in general, I mean, he's not like Kazarov or a Saudi prince or anything. Um, but he's not Duterte, but he's definitely uh, more of like a crazy rich person, more like uh, Richard Branson or something. Like he has the character of an ex- of an eccentric man uh, with a lot of money, more than like a um, you know a cold blooded. Um, you know, a uh, person set for, like, world domination. Well, I mean, I think the genuinely the craziest person to inhabit high global office in recent years was Tony Blair, who, who you know, he had that uh, mad-eyed religious devotion to his cause and his place in history, um, which, you know, a couple hundred years ago, he would have been uh, an insane cult leader who gathered up his followers and marched on the palace only to be mown down by the king's guards. Not even that, though. Tony Blair would have been second in command because he was always a little running dog. Um, I, I'm not sure I agree with you there, actually. Like he in, in, in Britain, he boldly staked out new territory of mediocrity and capitulation. Um, but, you know, he... It's true that he he was spectacularly weak on the world stage, and at the same time incredibly messianic about his impact. But he was an absolute cuck he, he, to Bush, though. <laughs> yeah, but he, he he invented that kind of capitulation. He he was a he, he was a pioneer in idiocy. He invented a new form of cuckery. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, if we're uh, if we're going to be Freudian here, you know, it's uh, it's always the the, the cuck who who initiates this kind of relation, not the uh, not the bull. Good point. Oh God, that's so true. Bulls are like vampires; they can only come if you invite them in. <laughs> yeah, um, and even with George Bush, you have to like show him where the door is, and you know. And... <laughs> You really have to hold his hand through the whole process. <laughs> um, going back to Clinton's comments, what I, what I really love about it is the idea that, um, number one, uh, it had to be an American who was directing these Russian hackers because American politics, in which, which is basically this just kind of rolling catastrophe of increasingly obnoxious billionaires being given the power over all life on Earth because they screamed loudly and imitated an accent at a rally, uh, that that is so fiendishly complicated that only an American could kind of intuitively understand the mystic folkways of the American electoral system. And number two, that the American who intuitively understands the mystic folkways of the American electoral system is Donald fucking Trump, who I thought a moment ago needed Russian help to get the presidency. Uh, yeah, but he has a deep and innate wisdom. Um, he has mystical powers. <laughs> I don't know. It's like they can't decide whether to portray him as a buffoon or or. I mean, like, or, it's true. He, he is American. Oh, yeah, no, he's the most American man. Uh, but they can't decide whether or not to portray him as a buffoon, an mm. incompetent, uh, you know, uh, madman, or, uh, you know, as this um, incredibly uh, calculating uh, evil genius. 
because those two things are kind of mutually exclusive. What Americans don't want to admit is that our system is so stupid that stupid people can really succeed at it with simply a, a, a certain kind of social intelligence, um, which is, I use that term loosely, but a, but like an interpersonal connection uh, um, to, to idiots. Well, I mean, like there's kind of two concurrently running uh, systems in America. You know, you've got the um, the kind of shucking and jiving electoral barnyard dance, uh, and then you have the kind of civil administration system. And Donald Trump is perfectly suited to the electoral spectacle, um, whereas Hillary Clinton was kind of trying to enter politics from the administrative side of things. And, like, they both involve a kind of intelligence which is also a kind of stupidity. Like, like to be capable managing the world's most complicated and inhumane bureaucracy you know, you need to have a very good head for numbers. You you need to be very smart. You need to manage loyalties or whatever. But you also have to be this incredibly stupid person, just absolutely incapable of thinking outside the bounds of that bureaucracy. And and that's liberal stupidity. But then to, to dominate the, the electoral system, you need to be very canny at anticipating people's hidden and revolting sexual desires and then translating that into a political statement. But you, but it, it's a kind of intelligence that drives you mad to the extent that you you have to pretend to be driving the truck, basically. Yeah, agree. And we know which one wins. The nerds lost. Yeah, it's a it's a the only justice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one of those. It's a pity they can't both both lose things. But you know, what are you gonna do? Well, I mean, we, we need a dialectical movement between the jocks and the nerds, you know. Yeah, I we need mean, new. we need, and, and it's not going to be the artists either, because they're terrible. They're another type of nerd. Yeah, as someone of, of the mercurial artistic persuasion, um, we're idiots, we turn our moodiness into um, careers, and uh, you shouldn't trust us with anything. However... Uh, it's an excellent segue. <laughs> oh, speaking of art. So you actually told me about this. This is happening yeah. right here in New York City, and, and I had no idea because um, because I try to ignore everything that happens in the financial district. Oh, sometimes it's art, you know. Yeah, sometimes. Um, I remember uh, when they took the... First of all, the Wall Street Bowl is it, it it's it's the bane of my existence i used to be the secretary for the democratic socialists of america and by secretary i mean old school secretary i mean administrative assistant um but where i'm from they still call them secretaries because feminism has not reached indiana yet and their offices uh were in the financial district because they're surprisingly cheap uh office space there by the way most finance is now in midtown not in the financial district. People would line up to take pictures with the bull so that they could grab the bull's balls. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen it. I think there's probably a picture of me with my hand on the bull's balls. I mean, you got to do one or two touristy things. Um, and if it involves, you know, um, crude testicular humor, like I, that's going to be the touristy thing that I pick. And a while ago, they added for, for Women's Day... They added this fearless girl in front of the 
the the charging bull, but it was actually yeah. What what was the story behind? I mean, it was like a marketing thing, basically, right? Yeah, it was a um, I think it was a, a hedge fund uh, or some kind of financial institution that uh, installed the fearless girl sculpture uh, as a kind of expression of support for women's self-determination and also to push its message that companies can be more successful if they have more women in the boardroom yeah i love these like uh these arguments that i mean it's a very liberal technocratic thing whenever they try and push for anything humane they're like actually it benefits the economy like they, they always do that uh, with- i've got it here it was uh state street global advisors one of the world's largest banks I mean, I'm I'm sure they're not investing in the kinds of uh, financial activities that ruin the lives of women and especially female householders across the country and across the world. You know, that 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 would kind of go against their ethical feminist stance as a bank. Yeah. um, You know, what are banks um, if not maternal figures? (laughs) Yeah, no, no. The kind of the the primordial womb of the bank vault where you put your money and it's kept safe and grows. Yeah, yeah. Um, so another artist who was pissed off about the fearless girl, like the cynicism of it, I guess, made a statue of a of a dog called Pissing Pug, and he made the dog piss on the girl. Yeah. I mean, I am of I'm of a few minds about this. Yeah, people did not like that. Yeah, people got really upset. Uh, people got really upset that the the corporate art was defaced. I mean, it didn't help that the the guy who did the pissing dog is, uh, you know, a white guy who, uh, well, he he made some gestures towards condemning the kind of corporate feminism of the fearless girl. But then he also said stuff about how the the bull had integrity, and he was uh, upset by one work of art being an insult to another, and. Uh, you know, I think he was deeply wrong about that. I think every great every great work of art in history has been someone screaming, no, fuck you, at the great artists that came immediately before yeah. him. Um, but then, um, you know, I, I saw some people online who were, who were talking about how the pissing dog could not be art because it's, it wasn't created with love and joy in the, in the artist's heart, but uh, hatred and spite. Which you kind of want to go, have you ever met an artist? I mean, have you seen Guernica? Like, what? what do you, I don't think they want art. I, I think they want, like, a, a motivational poster. <laughs> they want pretty things. Yeah, yeah, they want something nice for the house. Yeah, yeah, something with the nice colors that matches the kitchen. I mean, I think the artist is stupid as shit, first of all. Um, and as most artists are, it also, it's cynical. Most artists are also cynical. Uh, the idea that like, he's like, well, this is corporate, blah, 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 blah. I mean, I, that was kind of tacked on at the end. He was more interested in doing a defense of the bull, but what he was most interested in, I mean, I think I'm going to guess 95% of his motivation is the fact that he's in the New York post right now. And this is an artist now that people know his name. But again, PR is the only art we have left, so maybe it is art. Yeah, I mean, if uh, if artists didn't didn't seek attention, then there wouldn't be any art, you know. 
all, all art is is some variety of of getting your genitals out and shouting look at me yeah that's exactly what it is i mean i like i like the the precedent it set you know i feel like um in the liberated society of the future uh we'll communicate all of our political ideals by just placing large bronze uh, sculptures all the way up broadway and you can walk along it and just kind of watch the debates happen as expressed through bronze sculptures. Um, I think there'll be a, a far better way to do it than with words or debating, which have almost uniformly failed us. He, he was annoyed that the uh, Fearless Girl statue had kind of ruined the bull. And subsequently, people are annoyed that his dog ruined the Fearless Girl. Um, and I kind of feel like all of these people should, if, if, if you want to destroy art uh, if you want to ruin a piece of art and the best way to do it is to actually physically destroy it you know i would have actually supported this guy far more if he had taken a hammer and just pounded the fearless girl into the paving stones and then described that itself as being a work of art you know there's a there is a precedent yeah but that there. yeah but that would not have raised the market value of his own art um i mean i'm actually I'm actually not so sure about that. There's a, uh, for instance, there's a, a, a American painter of the 1950s whose name I'm going to mangle, Robert Rauschenberg, who uh, took an eraser to a, a de Kooning drawing um, and tried to hang that up in a gallery. It, I think I saw it in the Tate Modern, but it's, uh, I think, currently in the MoMA in San Francisco. And it's a blank piece of paper that is worth uh, far more money than it was when it actually contained the de Kooning drawing. Uh, so I think you could make a case for the destruction of a previous work of art. I mean, there's also... Um, it's true, but it would have to produce an object, and just smashing the thing would not have produced an object, and he wouldn't have been able to sell there's it. There's also that uh, Chinese liberal guy under house arrest who uh, dropped the Ming uh, Dynasty vase and took photos of himself smashing it uh, as a photo Ai Weiwei. Yeah. yeah, he's cool. He's... Fine. I, I, I don't like anyone who becomes a liberal cause celebre. It kind of makes me want to go, no, arrest him. Start with him and then all the other artists eventually. Nah, I think he's cool. I mean, it, yeah, people are a little too into it, but that's like the art world. They they elect one person a year to be a, a big deal. But, you know, he, 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 he put his money where his mouth is. He's, he's gotten in a lot of trouble for... Uh, for his political statements. Well, he he destroyed the past, which as a uh, occasional futurist, I'm in favour of. So yeah, I mean, I I, I think the uh, the artist behind the dog. It, it's all right to make statues of pissing dogs when we're all liberated, but right now the only way to create art is with a hammer. I would counter that with I think uh, we should just make a giant hammer and sickle. And just and just put it on top of every every new bronze statue that gets created. Just <laughs> it'll be like graffiti, like you're just tagging over every everyone else's work. It's like the most juvenile form of competitive uh, art careerism there is. I think it's art, but not for the reasons that people think it's art. I think it's art because it's um, it's careerist PR. And I don't believe a word of what the artist says uh, regarding his motivations behind it. Um, I think he's a very artistic liar. Um, and I like the idea of people being mad in the financial district. And that, to me, indicates he is connected with an audience. 
All right, fair enough. I, I would say uh, it sucks, but not for the reasons that people think. Uh, and it's art, but not very good. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, also, we should clarify that when we say something is art, it, we don't necessarily make it good. I, I actually, actually, what, what people should do is bring their real dogs to piss on it. Yeah, but again, that's the sort of art that doesn't make anyone money. So good luck <laughs> with that. One day. Uh, with that sentiment... Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We'll, uh, we'll leave you for this fortnight. Yeah, uh, join us again in two weeks when we'll be sunning it up in the post-Jeremy Corbyn world. The liberated <laughs> tomorrow is sooner than you think. Bye. Bye.